this series called On Guard. And so as we start this series again here, as we pick this up, I want to make sure that we grasp this. This series is all about battling sin. It's about victory over sin. We talked a couple of weeks ago about what it means to have victory over sin, and we looked at a little bit of an illustrate of what it looks like in our lives, right? We talked about this sea of selfishness, this flesh in us, and then the mind and the spirit that are like the boat that's afloat on top of the sea, this boat that's afloat on top of the sea. By the way, we called that boat something, and I want you all to know that that is spelled D-I-N-G-H-Y, all right? So we called it a dinghy, D-I-N-G-H-Y. Do what you want with how you may use that word in other ways. We're now going to call it... <coughs> I'm learning things throughout the week for me. So I'm just saying that small boat afloat on top of the sea of selfishness, all right? And uh, this small boat, this fragile little boat, uh, maybe here's a good illustrate. This is an image that we were using. And uh, this giant sea of selfishness and the waves of self that roar up on us, this sea of selfishness that has me all over in it and demands it be about me. And then this boat that's all about my mind and my spirit. And if you are saved, then the Holy Spirit with you in this boat, this is our walk. This is what it looks like daily as the sea of selfishness slaps up against the side of our boat, our mind and our spirit. And as we long to be able to have victory over sin, Lord, help me. As the world and the devil press down on that boat, causing the boat to dip, as the waves of selfishness rise up and water gets taken in and we take on selfishness. Man, the battle with sin is exactly that image right there. God, help me as my mind and my spirit are afloat on the sea of selfishness. I long to worship you. Let that image settle in hard. This is what we're going to be addressing throughout this series, all right? So today we're talking very specifically about the world and how to battle the world. We're going to break it down, the world, the flesh, the devil. So today we're talking about the world and how the world pushes down on that boat and causes us to take on water, the sea of selfishness coming in. And how do we battle the world and how do we go after it? All right, turn with me, if you will, to Proverbs chapter 7. Proverbs chapter 7. And we're going to walk through this. <coughs> Proverbs 7. It actually says here, point number one, value what God values. Value what God values. We're going to start right in the beginning of Proverbs chapter 7. It says, my son, keep my words. Treasure up my commandments with you. Keep my commandments and live. Keep my teaching as the apple of your eye. All right, let's just go back to the top. My son, keep my words. He's like, hey, don't just hear them. Do them. Make sure that it's a part of your action. And if you keep his words, you're not just saying them. You're not just nodding your head. You're getting after it. He says, treasure up my commandments with you. Treasure up my commandments with you. Treasure means to value in a deep, rich way. Treasure up my commandments with you. Make sure that you find great value in God's guidance and direction. He says, keep my commandments and live. 
Just so we're super clear, when God gives a command, it's because he's giving us hope, he's giving us life, he's giving us direction, and it leads us to a great peace here on earth and to an eternal life with him. God knows exactly what he's talking about. Life comes from God's commandments. May we follow his guidance. He says, keep my commandments and live. Keep my teaching as the apple of your eye. This saying is a little bit complex in the original language, but as the apple of your eye, he's like, you know that middle of your eye where, you know when something's coming at your eye and you have this moment where you're like, you, you instantly, when something's coming at you, you can't even explain why you do it, but your whole body moves, right? And, and your eye comes down, your eyelid closes, like you protect the middle of your eye like crazy. He's like, make sure you're protecting the wisdom of God's commandments like crazy. But more than just the moving and the protecting, he's also talking about where you're focused. May the middle of your eye, the pupil, be focused on the things of God. Focus on God's commandments. Grasp what he's teaching us. Make sure you're protecting his word and his wisdom along the way. That's what he's talking about. May we get after his stuff. He says, bind them on your fingers like Make sure you remind yourself. Have you ever done that where you put like a little rubber band or something on your finger or a little thread or something and it's to remind you when you see it, you're like, oh, that's right, I gotta go pick up the, like whatever, right? You got some kind of reminder on your finger. He's like, make sure you do that as you bind them on your fingers. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Like memorize the word of God. Man, where are you struggling with sin? Where are you wrestling with an attitude or an action? Make sure you know what God's word has to say about that. Memorize that. Make sure you're ready to go after it. Write it on the tablets of your heart and get after it. Truly, Lord, teach me what you'd have me to say. May I memorize them along the way. He says, say to wisdom, you are my sister. Like, you are family, man. You are family. And not only family, you're my little sister. Like, have you ever been in one of those moments where all of a sudden your little sister's at risk and that makes you like... Who's messing with her? That's what he's talking about. He's like, that's my little sister, man. You step in, you have a love for her, you have a compassion for her, and you have a protection of. And uh, he's like, make sure that you see wisdom as family, to be a part of your life and to be protected, and call insight intimate friend. Make sure that you see discernment and insight as somebody you hang with all the time. An intimate friend is not somebody you see once a year and you really don't know anything about them. Right? He's like, make sure you hang with insight and discernment. Make sure it's a part of your life. Make sure you grasp and know him personally. Wisdom and insight, may they be part of your family and part of your friendship, the inner core of who you are and who you hang with. He says, to keep you from the forbidden woman, from the adulteress with her smooth words. I just want to make this super clear. This passage is, kind of uses an adulterous sort of analogy. It's a metaphor for all sin. It's a metaphor for all sin. Like whatever you're struggling with and whatever it is that draws you away. And here he's using the metaphor of a woman that draws away a man wrongly. And he'll walk through that in a lot more detail. As we walk this, you'll see it roll out. But I'm telling you, it's about all sin and every sin. This is how the world woos. This is how the world calls you to take a step that you shouldn't be taking, to be going towards sin you shouldn't be going after. And he's like, let me make this clear. 
All of that will keep you away from that forbidden woman, from that sin that draws on you, from that thing that pulls you away that you know you shouldn't be about. Make sure that wisdom and insight are a huge part of what you are. Value them with all you've got. <clears throat> so there was a guy, his name was Rob Cutshaw, and uh, he actually loved rocks. He uh, tried to make a living with it. He actually would go out and he'd find rocks in all these unusual places and he'd bring them back and then he'd sell them to collectors in different ways, shapes, and forms. And, and uh, he had some knowledge of geology and, and uh, he knew a lot about rocks. And, and over the course of time, he would just collect these things and try to sell them out. He did okay. He actually made a little bit of a living doing it. He loved to do that and he'd rather do his passion and make a little bit of money than to do something else and not be able to do it. And so he collected these rocks and he kept them and sometimes he sold them off. And he found this one that was like this giant thing. He loved it. It was huge. It was heavy. It was all the dark blue rock. And he was like, ah, it's huge. I might be able to get a couple hundred dollars for that, you know? And, and so he kept it in his basement. He was looking for that right buyer along the way and kind of forgot about it over time. He just knew he had that thing. And the problem was most people wanted something a little bit smaller. And so he was thinking, well, maybe I should break it up. I don't know. And and eventually he ended up going downstairs and saying, I'm going to take this whole set of rocks I got, take them to an expert and see what they want to give me for it. Maybe I can get something. And as he took it in, it turned out that blue rock was the largest sapphire ever found. Largest sapphire ever found. Can you imagine that? Actually, as it turned out, it was worth at that time just under $3 million. Had it sitting in his basement for almost a decade. He's like, that's probably worth a little bit. You know, a couple hundred bucks or something, you know. Turns out to be worth $3 million. It's now called the Star of David. That's what he had in his basement. Man, here's the question. Are you treasuring God's wisdom and all that it's worth? Are you ascribing the right value to it that it brings life and life eternal? Or do you kind of got it in the basement? You know, it's worth a couple hundred bucks. You really appreciate it. Someday maybe it'll be worth a little something. And is it this dismissed little value or this massive, life-impacting value. Man, treasure what God treasures. And all of God's people said, simple question, how are you doing at treasuring the wisdom of God, at treasuring His Word and the guidance He gives? How are you doing at valuing what God values? All right? Point number two, avoid sin and even the path that leads to it. Avoid sin and even the path that leads to it. Now remember, as we dive into this illustration, he's using a metaphor here, and he's going to be talking about a man and a woman and, and some of the sin that comes with that. But this is really any sin of any sort that comes into our life and draws us. Here we go. He says, for at the window of my house... I have looked out through my lattice and I have seen among the simple, I have perceived among the youths, a young man lacking sense. Can we all just admit that's not really a description we really want of us, right? Lacking sense. And you can picture this older guy, he's got a lot of wisdom, he's lived life and he looks out through and he sees this kid walking along and he's like, what is that kid thinking about, right? Like that's what's going on. He's kind of got this wisdom thing and he's looking out and he sees this guy who's not being very smart. He's lacking some sense along the way. Why? Well, it says, passing along the street near her corner. Well, what's he talking about? 
Well, if you go back to verse 5, again, he's talking about the forbidden woman. He's talking about there's an affair afoot. Get ready. This is the danger in it. And remember, this is just a metaphor. There's any sin grabbing you, but this is the one he's using here. And he's like, he went too close. Can we just say this? Wrong person. He went near her corner. Wrong person. Everybody just say wrong person. Really important you even write that down. Wrong person. Not even being careful about who they're hanging with. It says, taking the road to her house. Dude, what are you doing going down that road? Right? Wrong place. Everybody just say wrong place. Wrong place, man. You want to write that down as well. Like they're not being careful. He's hanging around the wrong person. He's going down the wrong place. And then it says, in the twilight, in the evening, at the time of night, and darkness. And uh, wrong time. Everybody say wrong time. Have you ever noticed how when things get darker out, sin rises up? When people aren't around to check you, your sin gets a little more out of control. When you feel like you're not being watched, you let it go a little more unchecked. That's what he's talking about. Watch out. You're in the wrong place, and it's the wrong time, and man, it's going to get a hold of you. Be careful. This is a horrible fence line. You're around the wrong person, you're in the wrong place, and it's the wrong time. And everybody say, bad plan. I agree with you. It says, and behold, and when we see the word behold, we say, He's like, watch this and be careful. Check it out. The woman meets him dressed as a prostitute, wily of heart. Now, I want to be really careful here. It doesn't say the woman is a prostitute. She dressed as. She's dressing herself up. She has a purpose in what she's doing. We are now seeing sin personified here. We are now watching the world and sin personified in the first statement about sin from the world and the wooing that it brings, purposeful. She dressed for what she wanted to go after. Wily of heart, meaning she knows exactly what she's going after. She has a plan and she's crafty. She is longing to bring this to bear. Purposeful. And, uh, she is loud and wayward. Her feet do not stay at home. And uh, disrespectful. And the world is purposeful, the world is destructive, the world is disrespectful. She's all over the place, man. She should be at home, she should be with her fam, she should have a plan about life, she should be going after it. Nope. Wandering. The world and the enticement of the world, wandering, disrespectful, destructive, purposeful. It says, at every corner she lies in wait. At every corner she lies in wait. And uh, this is a crazy moment for her as she has wandered out, now in the street, now in the market, all over the place. And the sin in this world that draws you is everywhere. Don't kid yourself. Be cautious with it. Be wise about where you go. It's landmines all over the place. Watch where you head. And we see sin personified now as purposeful, as destructive, as disrespectful. Now everywhere, get ready. Here we go. This is how sin begins to lean into your life. So the first part was describing sin in general. Now it's sin addressing you. She seizes him and kisses him. 
the first thing that happens is sin starts to lean into your life with asserting. This is what I want to do with you. This is where I want to take you. The world's promise. Maybe it's somebody else that you've come in contact with and they're a part of the world dragging you down and they're bringing a promise. They're addressing something into your life and they're asserting. She's kissing him and trying to draw him at something. Please note, he has not kissed back. That comes later. She comes up, she kisses him and asserts she is trying to give or bring something to bear. Sin comes in and says, man, do I have something to offer you. Be careful with it. It starts to draw to us. We talked about this giant sea of self, this flash that has waves of me rolling in it, and all of a sudden, the boat gets pushed down with, take a look what I have for you. And our selfishness starts to rise up. She's of wily heart. She's all over the place. She's lying in wait. She has this destructive plan. She seizes him and kisses him. And with bold face, she says to him, I had to offer sacrifices, and today I have paid my vows. Please hear me, man. When the world longs to bring down a believer, the hypocrisy rises up. There will be a fake following of Jesus Christ. There will be a massive statement of, I, I, I went and did the sacrificing. I, I paid my vows, and... I'm good with God. Not. Right? Please hear me, man. When this world draws in the lie and hypocrisy of I'm good with God is brought in. Maybe we'd be super clear on this, all right? The world right now is being at some levels influenced by Satan. He is called the little G, God of this world. It is his values, it is his purposes, it is his push that comes in, and you're starting to see it here with the assertion and the purpose and now the hypocrisy and the lying. And be super careful when you're walking through this world that you're not buying the simple statement of somebody in some way good with God somehow. And you're just like, great, glad to hear it. And you move on and just buy it. Watch the hypocrisy. In fact, this hypocrisy comes a lot deeper in the Hebrew culture when they ended up doing the vows and the paying of vows. Afterwards, there was meat left over and they would take it back home and there would then be a giant kind of smorgasbord meal. And so really what's being said here is that means there's also this great meal that I have. Come join me. Come eat with me. Come be a part of it. There's a hypocrisy to following God. And then there's a subtle invite underneath it. Come join me for a great meal. And watch out. The moves of this world are to slowly woo. See, if the world walked in and just went, hey, why don't you do this horrible thing that's going to be life devastating? Let's go. Right? The first answer is talk to the hand. That's so easy to say. We're like, what, are you kidding me? No. But first, there's a dress up. Then there's a, an asserting on. Then there's a promising, I'm good with God. <laughs> Bringing down your guard. And then a calling in. And watch what the world brings. Get wise 
and get real. Then it says, so now I have come out to meet you. See, the promise of sin is it's personal. It's all about you. Your flesh loves to hear that, by the way. It's all about me? Awesome! I knew it should all be about me. And then we start rising up. But the promise from the world is now personal. This sin coming in becomes a promise of you, personally. Come on, let's do this together, just you and me. If the truth were to be said, she would have said, so now I have come out to meet anyone, someone. I don't care who. I'm just here to destroy. This is the personifying of sin. But in fact, the statement gets said, no, you. Draws on that need to be cared for and starts faking the care for you. Hypocrisy in the midst and a fake care now, and it's all about you. To seek you eagerly, and I have found you, it says. Man, I'm telling you, where you hear the excess flattery, high levels of compliment going on from someone where it's just constantly laying on the thick celebration of whatever about you, be careful with that. And if, that's, if you're that person, like you love words of affirmation, and so you just compliment everywhere, you better get ready to put some serious fence lines up around your compliments. Be careful. Flattery can be used to manipulate in the highest levels. Watch the words being used. If they're starting to speak to your soul, it's all about you. I'm so happy I met you. It's all just you and me. You're so valuable this being said, has moved from the personal into the unusually complimentary, the flattery along the way. She says, I have spread my couch and with coverings, colored linens from Egyptian linen. And uh, I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Now the enticement, Right? Like I've been showing myself as just something attractive. I've been getting assertive. I've been purposeful in my drive. I've come over to you. I've let you know I'm good with God, man. Now I start leaning in. Come on, man. It's all about you and me and flattery now. The words over and over. You're so valuable. It's all about you. Come close. By the way, take a look at what I got set up over here. Doesn't that look nice? That's how we fall to sin. We don't fall to sin because way up front while we're walking with God, we look over and we see the grossness and the horridness and the divisiveness and the destructiveness of it and go, I'll go take that. We get wooed down the path. Make sure we're aware of how sin draws. She says, come, let us take our fill of love till morning. Let us delight ourselves with love. Now comes the full-on invite. Come join me. It's just a baby step now. You're all the way over here with me. Just come on, take this last step. The draw of sin in your life. Sometimes this is just the whisper of Satan himself, demonic press. Sometimes it's just the things the world sells over and over. It should all be about you. Sometimes this is a person in your life calling you very specifically to sin. And these are the techniques used. And be wise, be informed, 
and hang on tight that you might be able to weather that storm. Do not be wooed down that path. She's calling for the inviting, join her in the raw sin now. And then she says, for my husband is not at home. He has gone on a long journey. He took a bag of money with him. At full moon, he will come home. She's like, don't worry. There's no way you'll get caught. Don't sweat it, man. It's dark out. Nobody's around and we're alone. And that's the promise of sin. Don't worry. There's no way you'll get caught. Even more, though, she's bringing in the, and it's you and me alone. Isolate. Let's just get alone, you and me. Let me isolate you. By the way, my husband left me alone. Just so you know, one of the biggest things that can be used to draw you in when it's another person is them telling you, woe is me, it's so hard. And they're asking you to break down a fence and come closer. Watch that. It's great to care for people. Can I just say this really carefully and really forcefully? Make sure you're caring for those of the same gender. Girls care for girls, guys care for guys. I got a little illustrate in just a second on that for me and our family, all right? And uh, just be wise to that along the way. He took a bag of money with him, and at full moon, he will come home. The call to isolate. Um, Purposeful, destructive, disrespectful, everywhere. Assertive, hypocritical, personal, flattering, enticing, inviting. You have the whole game plan of how the world is coming at you. That's how you are attacked by the world. And know this, if we are going to stand up against sin, we must recognize this process. And we got to put up unbelievable fence lines. We got to put up fence lines that keep, up away, keep us away from this in ways we cannot imagine. All right? And, uh, let's do this. I'm just going to throw up a couple of illustrates on fence lines, and let's make sure we really understand what a fence line looks like. So let's throw this first image up here. <coughs> so this is a bad fence line. It's bad because notice the red fence, the red post is right next to sin. Why is that a bad fence line? I mean, you marked it out. You're like, sin's over there, good's over here, right? It's right on the border. What's so bad about that? Next slide. Uh, This is what's so bad about that. If you push that fence in at all, if you jump that fence at all, you are in sin. That's a terrible fence line, just so we're super clear. So what should it look like? Let's go to the third slide. This is a really good fence line. See, the point of a fence line is to keep you out of sin, to keep your hands and feet out of what's wrong. And so the bottom line is when you jump this fence, when you push it in, when you jump over it, you're actually still in an area that really isn't actually itself sin. So here's the deal. You actually get a red flag moment. Why did I push that fence down? You get this little wake-up call. What was such a big deal that I had to break that rule? And now you know to back up the truck. A fence line should indicate where your heart is going wrong, not where your hands and feet are already wrong. Are we hearing that? A good fence line must reveal where your heart is wrong, not where your hands and feet are now already wrong. That is an essential thing that we grasp. 
Make sure you set your fence line up, not on the border of sin, right? We look at this passage. I will not have a marital affair. That is a terrible fence line, right? Everybody say that's a terrible one. Like, I'm glad that it's a rule. I'm definitely good with it. That's one of God's commandments. Count on it. But a fence line backs it up off of there and says, Lord, may I protect my heart even before the rule, okay? That's a good fence line. And I want to be super clear to this. For example, we have a fence line. All of our staff talks about this as a pastoral staff, and, and uh, my wife and I live this out fully. I will never, everybody say never, be alone in a car with a woman, just me and her. Never. It's not happening. And Jonna will never be alone in a car with a guy. We're not going to, well, what if she needs a ride home? then we're going to do some hard work to get some phone calls made so somebody can either be there with me or somebody else has given her a ride home. I love you like crazy. I'm not just driving away. We are going to get it covered, but I'm not driving you home alone. And all of God's people said, why? Well, what if I did? I'm sitting in the car and she's next to me. What's the sin about her next to me in a car? Answer, nothing. But why did I just break that rule? What was going on in me that made me push that fence down? Red flag check. Now I can put that thing in check real fast and get back off of it. And I still am not in the hands and feet are in sin moment. That's a fence line, okay? That's a good fence line. So one more time, let's just go back to the second slide. Uh, Bad fence line, right on the edge of sin. And make sure you get that simple drawing. Sin, fence line, it better not be right on the edge of it, okay? Make sure you get that. That's a bad fence line. Good fence line. Let's go to this third slide. This is what it looks like. Make sure you put some of those positions in place that give you a safe area so that you get the red flag and you can back out of it and say, Lord, please forgive me for where I let my heart go. Thank you, Lord, that my hands and feet were now not in sin praise God. Okay? That's a huge deal. Now, I'm just going to say this one more statement. Fence lines are not righteousness. Okay? So, by pulling your fence line back off of God's law, you're like, do you see how righteous I am? No, no, I don't. I'm going to be really clear on this. We all are unrighteous. We all are in need of a Savior, and all of God's people said, for we all have sinned, and come short of the glory of God. Bigger fence lines, wider gaps don't make you more righteous. Please do not start comparing your fence line to somebody else's and going, so much more righteous than them. Do you see what I hold myself back from? Dude, that is about you measuring your heart. Fence lines are all in the personal call realm. You be careful you don't start trying to make your walk with God all about how good your fence lines are. That's just trying to earn your salvation again. Everybody say that's a terrible plan. Fence lines are about red flagging where your heart's going bad. They are not about earning salvation with our God. And all of God's people said, fence lines are about telling you where your heart's gone bad. It is not about earning salvation with your God. Okay? Put your fence lines back from sin. Be wise to what you're doing. Be careful with where you're going. And may God get all the glory. All right, question. So how are you doing with your fence lines? 
And do you have a red flag indicator that lets you know when something's awry and you need to back up and address it before it's actually sin in hands and feet? And make sure you think about it. Well, I don't even know how to do that. Remember these words, wrong person, wrong place, wrong time. Build your fence lines around people, place, and time statements and be wise to it. And please be wise on this. And in the name of caring for people and in the name of grace, so many believers make themselves so vulnerable to the world's whisper of, do you see what I have for you? And we get drawn down a path. Please, build wise fence lines to keep the world out. And all of God's people said, okay, fence lines are world out, walls down, God in. All right? Fence lines to keep out the world, let our walls down to let God in. May God get all the glory. Simple statement, if you notice, at the beginning of this passage, it said, I looked and I saw someone who was lacking wisdom. Really, no common sense at all. Why? Because of the path he was wandering down. Simply put, how are you doing with your computer? Guys, I'll call you out, but girls, this is you as well. How are you doing with the use of your computer and what comes on it? Man, when the time gets darker into the night, when you're more alone, when you think you're less checked, do not be the one without sense that wanders down that path. Figure out what you need to do, what fence lines you need to put in place, what checks you need to put on it, what passwords need to be there that only your wife knows. Whatever you do, man, make sure you don't wander down that path. Whatever it is, that you're going after? What is it, this anger streak that I have where I always let myself just go off and, but it always starts with me revealing over and over and over again how they've wronged me. Lord, may my fence line now be, I'm not gonna review how they've wronged me. I'm going to go to you. Put your fence line back off the sin. Lord, give me wisdom that my boat doesn't get pushed down, that self doesn't come roaring in. And all of God's people said, it's heavy stuff, isn't it? Please hear me. I long for this body to experience victory over sin in 2019, maybe like never before. And it starts with impeccable, unbelievable, brilliant fence lines. Get them up. Pull yourself back. May God get all the glory. And all of God's people said. Point number three. Don't listen to hollow promises. Don't listen to hollow promises. He says, with much seductive speech, she persuades him. With her smooth talk, she compels him. Just so you know, the game plan to break someone down is words, 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 words. And those words will most often be flattery, flattery, encouragement, encouragement, lift up, lift up, you're so important, you, you, words, words, let me pull you in. 
Make sure you know that. It's not wrong to say that you care for someone. It's not wrong to make sure you're complimentary along the way. I'm just telling you right now, think twice. I never even thought to say this. I'm saying it right now. This is one of our rules. Do not compliment the opposite sex for how they look. Compliment your spouse for how they look and love that they are hot. I could put an all, an all of God's people said, but that'd be a little creepy. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, I'm watching my daughter put her hand over her face right now. It's a beautiful moment right now. So, look, bottom line, just be careful with where you go with words. Be careful with what your fence lines are. Watch how you build into relationships. It's great to love on people and keep those uh, boundaries making wise sense, right? All right. Here we go. With much seductive speech, with smooth talk, she compels him. All at once. Everybody say all at once. It doesn't say little by little and finally the last bit. All at once. Holding back, resisting, 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 collapse. All at once, he follows her. Notice that he's out on the street and he's following her to a wrong place. As an ox goes to the slaughter or as a stag is caught fast till an arrow pierces its liver, as a bird rushes into a snare, he does not know that it will cost him his life. He's like, you've become the prey. You're being stalked and you're being taken down. All at once. Don't kid yourself, man. We do not stand up to our flesh constantly being enticed, and we do well just by continuing to fight it. We'll talk more about it when we get to the flesh time, but I'm telling you the answer when your flesh is being drawn is to get out of there. Flee. It's a whole different word. Today we're talking about the world pressing in. Fence lines. Fence lines, please do not try to stand in while you are getting wooed and drawn and say, I have to be strong enough. No. Fence line and get out of there. We'll talk a lot more about it when we get to that week. Fence line, man. Make sure you've got it in a strong way. Fence lines keep the world out and take your walls down to God. May he get all the glory. Bring down your walls to the Lord in worship, all-out worship. Bring up your fence lines to keep out the draw of the world, that call to sin and selfishness. Fence lines up, walls down, God getting the glory. That's what it looks like to be able to battle the world. As your boat is being pushed on by the world, the way you stand up against is with healthy fence lines that keep you back away. And all of God's people said, I'm just going to ask this one more time. Fence line is the word. What's the word? <laughs> say it louder, say it bigger. That's how we battle the world. Let's pray. 